Before we get into the word this morning, I want to give one more uh, announcement. Uh, we posted this on our social media, but in case you're fasting social media, or you're not on, I uh, just wanted to make everybody aware. One of our church members, Ed Urban, went home to be with the Lord this month, and uh, uh, we wanted to make sure that everyone was aware of his uh, funeral arrangements. There's going to be a visitation for Ed on Tuesday, January 23rd from 4 to 8 p.m. at Mount Claire Luciana Funeral Home. It's in the West Wing venue, just up the block 6901 West Belmont Avenue. If you have any uh, further information that you need, you can contact our offices. I had the privilege of speaking to Ed's widow, Jean, and I just got to tell you, Gene, I, I called to encourage you, and I just hung up feeling like a million bucks. And uh, I mentioned to Gene, every time I saw Ed, I didn't get a chance to talk to him a ton, but God, he had a million-dollar smile. And, and I'm just like, I hope I, I come across the way he came across and, and the love that you could just see through a smile. And so he would serve in our parking lot ministry. And how many know, first face you see better be a smile when you're walking into this church. And so uh, can we just, I know some of Ed's family is here. Church, would you just help me to pray um, as we pray for the Urban family and pray for everything that's happening now and until this process continues to move? Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you because of what your word says, that we don't mourn like the rest of the world mourns, that is without hope. God, we have this blessed assurance that those of us who have committed our life to Christ will one day be reunited not just with Ed, but all the saints that have come before us. And so, Father, we thank you for a life well lived. We thank you for his military service. We thank you for his spiritual service. We thank you for the way that he served his family. We thank you, Lord, because we believe that he has heard the greatest words that any of us could ever hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, I pray over the urban family, Lord, now as they are grieving. Father, I pray that we would grieve with them, Lord, that we will mourn with them, that they would be encouraged, God, and strengthened in the confidence of knowing that they, too, will see him again if they commit their life to you. And so, Father, we thank you for all this. We pray blessings over them, Lord, and we pray that all this would go as smooth as possible. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Again, if you need any more of that information, you can contact our offices, and we'll be happy to get that to you. Like Pastor Ariel said, you made it. 21 days of prayer and fasting. At least most of you made it. Some of you gave up day three, and that's okay. So do people who went to the gym this month. But, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I've been incredibly blessed already just hearing the various testimonies and stories that people have been sharing about what God has already been doing in the midst of this time of prayer and fasting. And listen, this is truthful. You never miss out trying to get closer to God. You're never going to lose with an intent to draw closer to the Lord. And my hope is that over these 21 days, you didn't just receive what you were praying for, but you developed a discipline, a tool in your toolbox that you can utilize, not just at the beginning of January, but anytime the need arises to pray and to fast and to seek God's face for whatever you need. If you were following us on social media, you would have noticed that every day we posted a specific prayer point. Obviously, you might have had something that you were praying for as an individual, but we also had some things that we wanted to pray for corporately as a church. And so all of our pastors got together and we each shot some different videos. And we ended today with praying for the city of Chicago and our neighborhood, specifically the neighborhood surrounding this church. This is important for us because of a few reasons, but even just on a personal note, if you know me, 
You know I love Chicago. I mean, I was overwhelmed and rejoicing to, to nobody's content last night just watching the Packers lose. We're not even in the game. I didn't even make the playoffs. That's how much I love Chicago that I disdain any other Wisconsinite team. Like, I just, I was laughing at my wife. I was like, because she's like, well, our team didn't even make it. It's like, does it matter? As long as they lose, I'm happy. Why? Because I'm a real Chicagoan, all right? And so that, that's the thing. Like, I just have such an amazing heart. Like, I burn for this city. I, 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 I was talking to Jean, and she would mention that her husband would often say, oh, somebody's going to snatch that boy up. We're not going to be able to keep him for long. And I'm like, it have to be God, because I have such a burden for the city of Chicago. And I believe that Belmont is a part of the hope that God has placed in the city of Chicago, which is why we need to pray. Right? And listen, and, and I tell you again, I love this city so much that when people badmouth it, bugs me a little bit. When I hear believers complaining about things in this city, it bugs me. Now, I get it. You know, it's kind of annoying that, that you know, they can fix a, a pothole made out of a rat faster than they can pick the potholes on my neighborhood. I get there's annoyances about living in this city. But you got to understand, God has strategically placed you for such a time as this to do something in prayer and in action to affect this city. It, to me, my love for this city, I, I almost equate it to, and not to that extreme, but when you read throughout the Old Testament and you see after the Israelites, the people of God received the promised land and, and then because of a series of their own issues and their own fails, uh, they end up going into exile with, in Babylon for 70 plus years and they're out in exile and they yearn for Jerusalem. They're looking at Jerusalem, and, and finally, after about 70 years, uh, the Lord opens the door, and, and they, they start to have these exile trips back, you know? So Ezra takes some people, and Nehemiah takes, uh, goes and does some work in Jerusalem. And so you have all these prophets throughout the Old Testament that are talking about the return to Jerusalem. And one of those people who really yearned for Jerusalem was a man named Daniel. Now, Daniel wasn't part of the return to Jerusalem because Daniel was, was very young when they went exiled. And by the time they started going back, he was in his 80s plus. He, has, he was also very high up within the government of the Babylonians. He, he had, you know, Babylon was smart. They didn't try to destroy their people. They got the smart ones and integrated them into Babylonian culture. And so Daniel, he really rose up through the ranks, had a very prominent, strong position. This is in part God's strategy for enabling the Israelites to go back into Jerusalem. And so Daniel understands, I am better serving in the position that I'm in. Nonetheless, he still has a heart for Jerusalem. And in around Daniel chapter 9, he really starts praying and, and going after and mourning. And then we start reading in chapter 10 that for 21 days, he essentially prays and fasts and is mourning for the people that are going back to Jerusalem and what they're coming across and dealing with and everything that's going on in that situation. And as I was thinking about us today on our, on our final day of our fast, I really wanted to look at Daniel chapter 10 and see what God did throughout his 21 days. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Daniel chapter 10, and I want to read just verses 10 through 14. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, this was an angel talking, Daniel, you are very precious to God. 
So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, Michael's my favorite angel, by the way. He is just, he is like a comic book superhero to me when I envision Michael. You know, Gabriel's cool, but he's like sitting there reading books. Michael's like about the business. So, so Michael shows up, one of the archangels, he came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. That's another name for, for one of the demons. And now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerned a time yet to come. Now, oftentimes when we read that passage, or even when we hear that passage in sermons, uh, we, we tend to kind of zone in on the whole angels and demons fighting part, because let's be honest, that's super cool, okay? I, I always laugh a lot of, you know, when I was doing youth ministry, almost every young man, whatever, hey, you should read the Bible, you should read the Bible. They always want to start with Revelation, and I'm like, that's, bro, you're learning one plus one, and you're trying to get into pre-calc, like chill, like let's go back. But it's because the stories and, and everything that's going on, it fascinates them. And so I can understand when we read this and we start hearing about Michael showing up and backing up this angel. And there's like a gang fight in the spiritual realm. And I'm like, oh, this is, I'd like to see what that was like. And again, I don't want to get too into it because that's just a longer day. Um, but I do want to preface something. Uh, you got to recognize the spiritual realm is real. The Bible talks about how uh, there is a, a third heaven, which is where God says, but there's a second one where the skies are. And right in between there, you got this spiritual realm. And where's the spiritual realm? It's where angels and demons and spiritual entities reside. It's something that, for the most part, you're not going to be able to see with the naked eye. But I imagine at some point when we are in spirit, I might be able to check out a fight or two, right? Or I guess it'll be done by the time we're in spirit. But I'll be like, Michael, so what happened? Like, that, that's going to be my attitude. But it's important to recognize there, there is spiritual warfare that goes on. There are battles you know nothing about that are happening behind the scenes. I don't want to get too into that. I will touch on that in a little bit. But here, I want to focus in on really two sentences in that verse. When Daniel sees this angel and he shows up, the angel says something interesting to me. He says, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. I want to hone in on that this morning because I think there's a lot of really powerful information that you and I need to glean from in that. See, when, when Daniel began to pray, unlike us, he didn't set out to pray for 21 days. It's not like he got together with everybody else and said, we're going to fast for 21 days. We're going to start January 1st. We're going to end January 21st. No, he was just praying. And it just so happens that his answer took 21 days to get there. But here's something that really stuck out to me. It's the first thing I noticed as I was reading this scripture is that the word said, since the first day you began to pray, right? He didn't say uh, when you finished praying. He says when you began to pray, meaning his prayer was continual. If you're taking notes, one of the first things you need to recognize is you have to be persistent while you wait. We've been talking about waiting the last few weeks. And in order to be successful at waiting on the Lord, you have to be willing to be persistent. 
From the moment you began to pray, meaning that on day one, Daniel prayed and he had been praying up to the answer when it showed up on day 21. This is huge for you and I because Daniel didn't just pray once and throw it up there and hope that God would answer. He was praying until he received an answer. Often the acronym that we use for the prayer meeting on Wednesday night is what? Anyone remember? Push. What does push stand for? I'm going to pray until something happens. Why? I'm just going to keep praying. Like, what do I lose by continuing to talk to God? It's so funny to me. I get people say, well, I don't want to bother God. How can you bother God? He's God. If God can be bothered, I don't want that God. You know, could you imagine that? Like, I go to God, and God's like, Joe, you're annoying me. I'm like, dude, salty. Like, I thought you, like, died on the cross for me and loved me and all that stuff. Listen, God cannot be bothered by you in that sense, okay? As a matter of fact, he encourages you to go after, to be persistent, to continually chase after him. How often do we throw up this one-time half-hearted prayer and then expect God to move heaven and earth? Right? We expect God to care as little as we care then. Because you know, we do these things like, hey, would you pray for me? God, you know, hope it happens. And in Jesus' name, amen. And then when God does do it, you don't even remember you prayed for it. And guess what? Because you don't remember you prayed for it, you don't even give God credit for it. Because you just think, well, look what happened. It's like, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> do you realize the spiritual battle that went down in the heavenly realms to make this happen for you? And you just think it's coincidence? It's serendipitous? No, it's spiritual. See, when we're persistent in our prayer, when we continue to pursue God, something happens. And again, it's not about begging God to change his mind. Something happens in you. Listen, Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 10. I love this illustration that Jesus gives. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to, for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from the bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. I am convinced that my four-year-old has read that passage. <laughs> She's potty trained. She knows how to use the bathroom. She knows how to wipe herself. For whatever reason, in the last couple of weeks, she'll scream from the bathroom, Poppy, wipe me. I'm like, in the other room, no, wipe yourself. She goes, I'm tired of wiping myself. I go, I'm tired of wiping you. Like, <laughs> so here we are having this battle across the hallway. You know what? And you know what? She keeps going. She does not stop. She doesn't understand. She'll just keep doing it. I'm, kid I'm not kidding you guys. Like, I'll watch whole shows, and she's still asking. Bobby, Bobby, wipe me. And guess what? I'm not my wife. I, I, I'm just going to wipe her. I don't care. And she's like, why are you doing it? I was like, she, she won't shut up. I'm just going to wipe her. Why? Because this is the quickest way for me to get back to what I'm doing. <laughs> Listen, did I want to wipe her? No. I did it because she wouldn't stop. Listen, there's a part of me that likes the tenacity that she has. She doesn't give up. 
I wish we would all have that tenacity with God. <laughs> in her mind, she's not bothering me. In her mind, you're my father. This is what you do. You take care of me. Now, once I get there, I train her up. There's a couple of times where I'm like, I will wipe you and give you pow pow. And then suddenly she figured out how to wipe herself and she got out of the room. <laughs> there are times where I, I do lay it down. But there are other times where, you know what? Like this morning, she was tired. She was cranky. She was asking me to, to wipe her. And I said, you know what, babe? She's tired. She doesn't get what I'll, I'm going to go take care of it. You don't think your father's going to take care of you when he knows you need it? You're not bothering God. He's God. My children can never bother me in the sense of asking something that they need from me. I mean, they can bother me in a million other ways. But never in the sense where as a father, my responsibility is to provide for them. I need to let you know something that persistent prayer is different from consistent prayer. And I was actually looking up the words just to figure out, like, what's really the difference between being persistent and being consistent? Consistency is about routine. You know, my daughter could have just kept saying it over and over and over again, but she didn't. She was persistent. Persistent is not about routine. It's about determination. So here's consistency with the illustration that I gave you. Papi, wipe me. Papi, wipe me. Papi, wipe me. Papi, wipe me. That's consistent. Hers continue to elevate, crying, screaming, Bobby, why me? Why? I'm like, dude, she is persistent. Meaning it wasn't going to trail off. If anything, it was going to elevate. It was going to keep going. I said, can you have that same persistence with God? God, save my marriage. Save my marriage. Bring my child home. Could you have the same persistency with God? God, make a way. I don't know how we're going to handle this rent. I don't know how we're going to pay for this bill. I don't know how things are going to show up. I've been asking you for the last 14 days, and I'm going to keep asking you until this gets paid. God, would you save me? Instead, what do we do? I talked to God. I asked him once, and he didn't do it. Well, I think God is trying to teach you to be persistent. I think sometimes God's silence is a way to get you to ask again. To get you to be a little bit more persistent because obviously you don't care that much about what you're asking for. But I'll tell you what, persistent prayers that are answered are unbelievably powerful. So we got to be persistent. Now, on that note, persistent prayers are still prayers and prayers are still requests. Who are we to demand anything of God? Okay, so my daughter is requesting, not demanding. So, you know, if she starts saying things like, you better wipe me right now. Yeah, okay. My hand will be on that butt, but it'll be not wiping. It'll be spanking. <laughs> Why? Because now she's demanding. And there are times where I got to remind her, I'm popping, not you. And we got to be careful when we pray because we sometimes confuse persistency with demanding things. And when we start yelling at God and saying, do it right now, God. And it's like, yo, what do you say? And it's like God's up there like, what do you say, please? <laughs> Right? Like, we have to be careful. And I think that's what I love about what the angel said. He said, from the moment you began to pray, and then what does he say? And humble yourself before the Lord. Right? That, that was two things that happened. He prayed, but he prayed humbly. Humble yourself before God. I was looking at this scripture that I think many of us have quoted or have heard at one time or another. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. It says, be still. And know that I am God. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, most of my life when I would hear that verse, it was a, a, almost a call to, to just kind of relax, zen out, just, you know, hey, don't run ahead, you're good. But as I began to study it and, and response to what he's saying in the psalm, this is the first time that God begins to speak in the psalm. The psalmist is talking, and then God is introduced in this moment, and God speaks back. And the reality of what God is saying, I love the way uh, this one devotional said it at Kinder. Be still is not in the first place comfort for the harassed, but a rebuke to a restless and turbulent world. Quiet, in fact, is what it means. <laughs> this isn't a like, hey, just be still. It's a shut up, stop, stop, be quiet. That's what God's saying. Because here's what happens. Sometimes we're persistent, and our persistency easily evolves into impatience. And when we become impatient, we start demanding. We start questioning. We start calling out. We start bad-mouthing God. Listen, praying the first week may not be hard. Fasting the first day was rough. Fasting yesterday was rougher. I was like, I am so hungry. And then the worst part, I got to be honest with you, the worst part is cooking for my kids. Because I'm looking at that like, you know, a long time ago, a peanut butter sandwich wasn't all that appetizing. And I'm like, I would kill for this peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> This looks so good. <laughs> but again, I, I'm saying be persistent, but you better stay humble as you're persistent. You better be careful about how much you're trying to demand of God or even worse, begin to question God when he's not answering in the time that you're asking him to answer. This is why the scripture is telling us to be still. Hey, hey, calm down. Relax. Stop talking to me like that. I'm working on it. Listen, again, there are times where, let me go back to the same illustration. Jesus, I hope I'm not giving her a complex, but she's in children's church right now. When she's screaming and calling me to wipe, there are times where I can't go right now because I'm wiping my other kid, right? I'm changing Luca's diaper. So here I got a nine-month-old that I'm changing while I got a four-year-old who's screaming for me, and she thinks because she can't see me, she thinks I don't care or I'm ignoring her, when in reality, I'm actually doing something. And so after a while, I'll say, hold on, wait, I'm coming, chill. It's not that I don't hear you, it's that I'm not ready to go there yet. Sometimes we have to have humility, I would say all times, we have to have a level of humility to understand that God is not a, a genie, God is not somebody that just answers on demand, that does things when I want it, how I want it, where I want it. He is God. That although he wants to hear your prayer and although he has torn the veil so that there's beautiful access, although he, in his word, tells us to boldly come before the throne of grace, and all that is true, don't you for a second forget that he is God and he owes you nothing. Like if God never does anything more than what he's already done for us through salvation, he's already done more than we could have ever dreamed of or imagined. Everything else he continues to do it's through his grace and love and nothing else. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's not because you're great. It's not because you're bad. It's because he loves you. And so we have to be careful to begin to assume that, hey, you love me, so now you have to do things when I want you to do it, how I want you to do it. It's no different when I ask my wife for something. My wife loves me. So if I'm working on something and I say, hey, babe, can you give me a cup of water? Graciously, she goes, yeah. As a matter of fact, she'll, she'll go out of her way. Hey, do you need anything? Do you? Absolutely. Now, 
if I start just clanging my cup, hey, getting a little light here, baby girl. She'll bring me that cup of water, but it'll be all over me by the time it gets there. Because if you know Sicily, you know, that's not a game she plays. I'm asking for the same thing, but how I ask matters. How, How I treat her matters. And I think it's the same way with God. We have to be humble when we ask things of the Lord. You, you know what? You can be bold and humble at the same time. You can boldly come before the throne of grace while still having honor and respect for who God is. You know, Daniel, Daniel heard from that angel. And I love it. The angel's like, hey, don't be afraid. And Daniel's like, okay. <laughs> He's still freaking out, right? He's just like, oh, are you kidding me? You're, you're an angel. Why am I not terrified right now? And so he understood something. I can't be in the presence of God and not fully be destroyed. I'm terrified right now because of who you are. And I think it's important for you and I to recognize that when we pray, yes, God wants to hear us. And yes, we should be bold. But we have to always be humble in understanding you are God and I am not. And so, Lord, even if you don't answer my prayer the way I want you to answer, I honor you and I love you. Because, you know, sometimes God's not going to Answer the prayer the way you want it answered. God's not going to say things the way you want him to say it. God's not going to do things the way you want him to do it. He's still good. He's still God. And what keeps you from being bitter and angry when God responds in those ways is having a humble heart. Because when you have a humble heart, just knowing that he heard my request is enough. Just knowing that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the master of this entire universe, bends his ear to me. Thank you, Lord. That's more than enough. So here comes Daniel. He's persistent. He didn't give up. He kept praying. He kept praying. He kept praying. And he was humble about it. But let's be honest. 21 days, he's not getting a response. And again, sometimes it's easier when you know, like for me, like I just knew I got to get to today. Like I got a big breakfast plan tomorrow. I'm just like super excited. Uh, I'm, I'm flying to Dallas for, for this conference. I'm eating barbecue. Like I got my whole man. Yes, there's a lot of spiritual things I'm doing, but I got my menu plan. <laughs> I'm taking advantage of some stuff, okay? I'm pretty sure I lost 10 pounds. I'm going to find 15 of them tomorrow. Like, I'm ready for it, okay? I'm good. I'm not saying that, but, but here's, here's what you got to understand. Daniel didn't have the end in sight. He didn't know it was going to be 21 days. He didn't know what it was going to be. But here's what he did know. He knew who he was praying to. And this is key while you wait. You got to be willing to be believing while you wait. Believing while you wait. Well, what does that mean? What did the angel say to him? Since the moment you began to pray and humble yourself before the Lord, your request had been heard. Your requests had been heard. What does that mean? I mean, God was on it. Right? There was, there was battles going on in the spiritual realm. The moment he began to pray, God gave the answer. The moment God sent the angel, said, now go, go respond to him. And then there was some stuff going on, right? There was some traffic. Somebody had to stop at Starbucks. Like things went down and it it just got delayed. But it's not like God wasn't moving and God wasn't working. Literally, we were just singing about that, right? Even when I don't see it, you're working. That's easy to sing. That's hard to live. Because I don't know, God, are you even hearing me? Did you respond? Are you, what's going on? But we have to believe that the moment we pray, not only does God hear us, but he gets to move on our behalf. He begins to act. Here's something the Lord spoke to me. You might want to write this down because it's one of them silly quotes, but I think it's so true. Just because you're not eating doesn't mean God's not cooking. 
Just because you're not eating yet doesn't mean God's not cooking. Okay, listen, there are times I'm back there, I'm cooking some stuff up just the other day. You know, my, my daughter, she comes complaining, she goes, I want huevos. She didn't know, I just finished cooking them already for her. I'm that good, all right? I was like, here you go, baby, I already finished it. And her eyes just lit up. I already knew what she wanted and I was already working on it. And when she came, she came with a little bit of attitude, I ain't gonna lie, she was hungry. But I had it for her. She didn't know what I was doing, but I was already doing it. Hey, you don't know what God's cooking up for you. Sometimes God started cooking before you started praying. <laughs> That's how good of a chef he is. He already knows what you're going to order. Why? Because he knows you. He knows the inside out, right? He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the end from the beginning. God knows what you need. And oftentimes, God has already set in motion exactly what you need before you even started to ask. And so we have to get to this point where we trust and believe that God is at work even if I don't see it. It's in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, you may be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Now listen, I, I want to, kind of break this down a little bit because sometimes we can look at the scripture and we can doubt, we can struggle with it. Like, are you serious? Like if I pray for a mountain to move, a mountain's going to move. Well, listen, the mountain being tossed into the sea, that was a colloquial term. It was a common phrase that Jewish people would use in that time in order to give you an example of the impossible becoming possible. So it's like me telling you, hey man, why don't you just go for it? Like shoot for the stars. I don't literally mean go shoot for stars. It's a term to say, why not go try to do the impossible? And what is Jesus saying? Hey, listen, when you pray, that impossibility we always talk about is possible. Mark's gospel reminds us that we have to believe and put our faith in God when we pray, even when we don't see God working. Because here's the problem. When we don't see God working, even though he is, we have a temptation to start trying to work ourselves. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? So Abraham did. Abraham didn't see God working. He didn't see God moving, at least on the timeline that Abraham thought it should happen. So he starts giving him alternatives. Well, maybe my servant could be my inheritor or like his wife had this idea that he should sleep with her servant and then that's how they would get their inheritor. And so he starts coming up with his own ideas because he doesn't think that God's moving or acting enough. And we do that. When we don't see the response to our prayer, we start to move. This verse is not meaning it's a spiritual blank check that whatever you ask for, you're going to have. No, no, no. The promise of God's answer to the prayer made in faith was made to the disciples, not the multitude, first of all. But I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this verse. Nor should we interpret Mark eleven twenty four to mean if you pray hard enough and really believe God is obligated to answer your prayer no matter what you ask. That's, that's not what the scripture means. That kind of faith is not faith in God. Rather, it is nothing but faith in faith or faith in feelings. We're not manifesting here. We're not just, I'm just going to try and I'm going to wish really, really hard and then I'm just going to make it happen. That's not how prayer works. Prayer does never, never changes God's mind. Prayer changes your heart. So we are praying and God is moving and sometimes what God is moving is your heart. 
And he's moving in you and he's preparing you to receive what you've been praying for. And he's praying you to be ready for the answer that he's giving you. There is something that's going on. Listen, these last 21 days, you might not have gotten the answer to the things you were praying for. But I promise you something, you are not the same. If you were consistent, if you were deliberate, if you took this challenge on and really go, you can be honest with yourself and say, listen, I'm not the same as I was when I first started praying. God's done something in me. God's began to move in me. Listen, we, we want the fruit right away. Sometimes God's got to first break up the soil. He's got, to, he's got to turn some things over. He's got to move some things in you. And so prayer is never lost. And so we have to remember that when we pray, God is at work. And just because we can pray for anything doesn't mean that God will do anything. That's why he says, if you have faith, I tell you the truth. You can say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and not have doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe it, you'll receive it. When he says that, what he's talking about is anything that lines up with God's will. There's very few things I deny my children if it's good for them, if it benefits them. Most often what I deny is stuff that could hurt them or that will create bad habits for them or things that I know are not good for them long term. My love will always be in response to their requests. But ultimately, I want to teach them to line up with my heart. So if they ask for broccoli, yeah, you can have more broccoli. If they ask for more ice cream, they're going to learn. I'm not just going to keep giving you more ice cream. Because they have to learn their father's desires. And the more we talk, the more they learn that. The more you talk to God, the more you begin to understand his heart. Which is kind of timing into the last thing. When we wait, we have to be ready for an answer and not an outcome. We have to be ready for an answer and not an outcome. Meaning when we pray, yes, I'm asking specifically for this. But I am open to whatever answer you have. Listen, sometimes what we ask for is not the best thing. And sometimes God may say no to something you want so that he can say yes to something you need. Listen, again, I've said this a few times, but let's be honest here. Thank God there, he didn't answer some of the prayers we've prayed in the past. I thank God he didn't answer some of the prayers I had about ex-girlfriends because I'm very happy with my wife. I didn't know she existed. I didn't know that she was going to be that. I, I, didn't, I had no idea. But and, and at the time, I'm like, oh, God, why doesn't this girl like me? And God's like, you're fine. This is not the end of the world. I have something for you. But you're not ready for her yet. So I'm going to work on you just a little bit longer. Listen, we got to be ready for an answer, not an outcome. The angel told Daniel, I have come in answer to your prayer. To answer that prayer. First John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15 this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything, here's the caveat, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If we pray in accordance to his will, then we know that whatever we ask for, as long as it's in accordance to his will, we already have what we ask of him. Meaning God is happy to respond to those things. God is willing to respond to those things. But we have to align ourselves with an answer, not an outcome. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Listen, I mentioned how even though you're not eating, God's not cooking. You can't go to the chef and make a request and then hand him a recipe. <laughs> how weird would that be? 
You know, sometimes I'll go guest speak somewhere, and I've, if you're listening, don't be offended by it. But sometimes, you know, they'll tell you like, hey, we got this theme we want you to, okay, what's the theme? Here's the theme, here's the verse, here are the points we want you to I'm like, dude, just preach it yourself. Why are you asking me to come? You already got the whole sermon. And sometimes we go to God with that. Hey, God, here's my need. Here's when I want you to answer it. Here's how I want you to answer it. Here's who I'd like you to involve. Here's how you should make it happen and do it on my timetable. And God's like, I'm sorry, when did you become Jesus? When did, when did you see the end from the beginning? How do you know that that's what's best for you? You don't. Why don't you trust me? You know, when you're at a good restaurant, like a really high-end place, and you see this in movies, the ballers always say, chef, just make whatever you want. Because I know I can't even ask for what you're fully capable of making. Oh, and when a chef hears that, they're like, I'm going to make you the best meal you've ever had in your life. Because you've allowed me to dictate what's going to happen. Why is all this important? Daniel had to wait. 21 days, but he was persistent. He was humble. He waited on an answer that God would have. But you know what I love most about this? Even before the angel said anything else. Part of why we can wait so patiently, so humbly, even through mist of persistency, is because of how God feels about us. If you take your notes, the last thing is this. You should be affirmed while you wait. What do I mean? Look at Daniel 10, 11. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. You are very precious to God. Saying, can I tell you today? You are precious to God. That's why you can't bother him when you ask him things. Because you're precious to him. You matter to God. He loves you. That sounds like such a hard thing to hear sometimes. And even harder to believe. But you are precious to God. And so when you talk to him, he listens. When you humble yourself before him, he responds. He said, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. And then 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Would you stand with me, please? I have no problem waiting on God because I trust him. There are a number of things, you know, stuff, especially in my role where decisions are needing to be made and you know people ask what are you going to do what are you going to do I'm like I don't know and that sounds like I don't know what I'm doing chill don't judge me (laughs) the reason I don't know is because God hasn't spoken yet I don't know I'm waiting on the Lord I'm trusting in him I'll be honest God sometimes shows up real close to the end part where I'm just like I'm waiting on you God are you going to do this (laughs) 
and at just the right time, God will respond. I don't know what you've been waiting on. Maybe in this past 21 days, God's answered your prayer and, and we thank God for that. But I couldn't help but think that there are some of us in this room who we've prayed and we fasted and we sought and we haven't gotten that response yet. And the reason I wanted to share this this morning is to encourage you. You are precious to God. And just because he hasn't answered yet doesn't mean he hasn't heard you. Doesn't mean he hasn't began to work on your behalf. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. God is for you. And God is at work in this. And if you are humble and persistent and wait on the Lord, he will answer your prayer.